What's up? I'm Jess Grace Garcia, filmmaker, music producer, worship pastor, and apparently my wife thinks that I would be a really great cam girl. Ooh. <laughs> She's I like, subscribe. come on, use those babies. Let's rake in the dough. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Something just strikes me as like, mm, I don't know, pastor, cam girl. I, I think I need some more deconstruction to get there. Those feel like peanut butter and jelly to me. <laughs> <laughs> Two great tastes that taste great together. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> and you are. <laughs> I'm Jack Bates, drag queen, theologian, comedian, and madam of the upcoming Lavender Mafia brothel. Oh my God. Yes. We're just waiting for the zoning commission to get off our asses. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Although we do like them there too. <laughs> Maybe if they got on our asses. Right. We'd be approved. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if we got on theirs. Whatever way. Zoning Commission, (laughs) if you're listening to this, whatever way you want it, you got it. This is ministry, goddammit. I just, we're looking forward to putting on that like slutty sort of 19th century kind of Miss Kitty saloon. That's the only reason why you're doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just get to the brass knuckles. <laughs> it's about the gowns, people. The gowns. <laughs> it's all about the looks for you. Mm-hmm. Are you even queer? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, if I weren't queer, would it be all about the gowns? I, yeah, I know, right? I to you that it would not. Uh, that's what I, th- I think. I think so as well. I think it's innately queer. If you are doing something that is against what you were told by society to be Mm -hmm. in that kind of way, especially fashion. If you're a dude or dude adjacent or were once a dude and into gowns, you're one of us. Right? I agree. So all you priests out there. (laughs) (laughs) All you doing this lazy black maxi dress drag. Y'all need to. Step your pussies up. Oh, that's right. We're on After Dark. We can say pussy. <laughs> you know how many people I've heard hate that word? Oh, really? Yeah, it's crazy to me because I, I love it. Like I think it's like an ownership word. Like I've taken that shit back instead of being like, oh, you're being a pussy. I'm like, I'm like, I'd much rather be a pussy than have balls because balls are weak as fuck. Yeah. Vaginas are much stronger, more resilient. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard of or watched the show The Magicians? Um, so I've been told so many times I need to watch it, and I know it's on my list. I need to watch it. You need to watch it. I think I'd love it. It's like Harry Potter, except darker and not written by transphobe. Mm. So it's got that going for it. Mm. It's also got like uh, sort of a satire, not sort of, it's transparently a satire of Chronicles of Narnia also. Oh, shit. Okay. Which... I love because I both love and I have a very complicated relationship with C.S. Lewis. Like he was a very right. formative influence on me, but also like very homophobic. I don't think he'd probably heard of trans people, but he would have hated us too. Yep. Um, but also uh, he said a lot of smart things and the Narnia books are also sort of a lot of fun. Right. It sucks. Uh, why so am hard. I talking about this? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> ADHD. Woo. <laughs> um, it is a book series. The books are good. The TV show is good. It's a faithful adaptation, but also runs on an alternate timeline from the books. So you can read the books and not be spoiled oh, on cool. what the, what's going to happen in the TV show. And it's very queer. Hmm. Like most of the main characters are by slash pan. (laughs) And one of my favorite characters is is, uh, this woman, Margot. And she's always saying like, you need to be more of a pussy. (laughs) She's telling people like they need to be like more courageous or like ovary up. How? I love it. Yes. (laughs) 
that's what I'm talking about. That's my kind of woman. I've already chosen my favorite character. Um, and I have never even watched it. <laughs> <laughs> so what, how many seasons are there of the magicians? Mm, I think there are five on Netflix. Okay. Then I can definitely watch it. Like I always get real, like if there's only a season or two, I have to really be interested to watch it. Yeah. That's Cause I like to binge shit. Yeah. It's kind of rough for us. Like, ADHD folk to watch shows that are like ongoing because like I'll watch a season of a show that's new and get really invested Mm -hmm. and then I'll come I'll forget about it entirely because of like object impermanence stuff like if I'm not currently watching it I don't know that it exists or ever existed exactly exactly yeah I I was gonna say earlier and and now's a great time to say it we are neurodivergent positive like is there (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Has anyone ever said that? Someone's had to have said that somewhere. <laughs> I love that about us. Yeah, I, I very much agree with, with that. I also think it's generational. Like we've been provided this ability through streaming to like feed that need to just like mm-hmm. binge something. So, and also we have to like, get over the fact that people will networks choose not to fund series all the times that you think like that have like big, huge following. It's like mm-hmm. a great example is Firefly. I don't know if you ever watched Firefly. Right? Yes. Right. It's like, come on. Like what, how could you choose not, to, <laughs> not to continue Firefly? Fox does that to so many shows. Like I'll never give I'll try never to give my heart to another Fox show because they always right? get canceled like way earlier than they should be. Yes. Or they have shows that are still going that you're going, why is this still going? There's so much garbage on TV. I know. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why I kind of like enjoy the, like I remember when we were teens, the, one of the things that was popular um, for a little while, which is popular again now um, is the idea of miniseries. I think we went through a season when miniseries weren't really um, a thing. Mm-hmm. It was all about the sitcoms, but we're back to having miniseries. And I appreciate that because it's like reading a novel that takes time that could, it could be all, all encompassed in just that novel, or it could m- maybe do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like I enjoy the series where, they definitely understand who their audience is. They have a beginning and an end on a season, and then they start an entirely different show in the next season, but it's similar enough that it's going to have your attention. Oh, like uh, American Horror Story? Right. Yeah, something like, I'm not a huge fan of American Horror Story, but, but things like American Horror Story, mm-hmm. like podcasts are like, uh, podcasts that do that, I enjoy. Mm. You know? Anyway... Enough about that. We went down an ADHD rabbit hole and I loved it. I don't regret a moment of it. Hey, beautiful Lavender Mafiosa babes. As we continue to make fun, sex positive, thoughtful, queer Christian content, we've been blown away by how many of you make listening to us a regular part of your week. It really means the world to us. We appreciate those of you who have been listening regularly as well as you gorgeous babes who have partnered with us on Patreon. There are so many ways that you can come alongside us and support us, but one of the key ways of doing that and continuing to do this work is through Patreon. We need the support of our community of listeners to continue doing this work, this amazing work that we're doing. Getting to hear from so many of our listeners how Lavender Mafia has made a difference to you or made you feel like you were just not so alone has meant the world to us and in the world that we are in right now with so much hurt um flying at queer and trans folk it means everything to have voices that are out there diverse voices and in order to keep doing this work we need your support not only do we want to be able to continue the podcast, but we want to be able to do even more than that. We want to do Lavender Mafia merch. We want to have a website and an online and in-person community and even some bonus podcast content. And the way we're able to do that is with the support that we get through Patreon. So if the Lavender Mafia has meant something to you, please consider going to patreon.com slash Mafia and sign up to help us keep doing this work. 
Every little bit helps. What's our topic, Jack? <laughs> We're talking about sex work. Yeah, bring us back to the sex work. So if you had an OnlyFans and it was like... Don't get me started about um, <laughs> OnlyFans, Jack. I'm not trying to pressure you. You're good. You're pushing a button. You are pushing a button about OnlyFans. Those jerks. If you had... Uh, yeah... Fuck OnlyFans. Um, right? Screwing sex if you sex had works. a premium sort of online content platform that mm. was like people paying to watch you do your thing, what would that be? What would they be watching? Mm. God, this is a great question. I think that it wouldn't as much be them watching me as much as it would be paying for the interaction with me. Mm. Like I think I excel at making people feel beautiful and making them feel wanted and desired and sexy because of my own confidence in who I am. So mm. I would just basically be utilizing that skill. Mm -hmm. So probably more of like, paying for access to relationship with me thanks don't you think of I mean, what you know i, I do that already <laughs> monthly friendship subscription. <laughs> imagine we both had our own patreons that were just for that oh my gosh you're a close enough friend of mine what do you think what would you pay to experience with someone like me i think that question's more interesting what can I say, knowing that my fiance is in the next room over here? <laughs> Forgiveness is requested for anything said in the next five minutes, August. I'm getting daggers shot at me from down the hall. Love you, babe. <laughs> if you were single, let's add that. <laughs> Definitely like something musical. Mm. I think just like paying to watch you improvise something musically. Interesting. See, I was going down the sex work mindset. <laughs> of course, someone's going to pay for that. Oh, they would. <laughs> they would. No, I, I think I think that's definitely true. Impro improvisation, that's, that's fun to watch people do for sure. I love that. I think from a sex work mindset definitely besides relationship it would probably be something that like feeds my dom energy mm -hmm. like whether it's bossing someone else around or you know dealing with like a sub bratty human and, and then watching that experience mm -hmm. and also just listening to me i think Obviously, our voices are are memorable enough that <laughs> I think we could both have a, a success in in the audio side of or of a uh, sex work. I think we're already kind of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really interesting point because we talk with some explicitness mm -hmm. about sex, and through Patreon, we do receive. Uh, pecuniary support yes because of this mm. yes hmm. Hmm. interesting <laughs> maybe the real sex work was the friends we made along the way <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i like that there's not a clear line i know right that's cool queering the line between sex work and other kinds of work mm -hmm. it's part of the queer liberation work we're here to do that's right i'm into that if I had a premium streaming service, uh, my first thought was something like just having people to pay me to like just ex like expound on my own like pet theories about like philosophy or theology or the Bible. I'll probably do it topless, like a jerk off a little bright price or just like read quotes from the church mothers and fathers. And strip while doing it. Oh, yeah. There's definitely, I would definitely pay to see someone 
speak theology while jerking off. It is an under uh, underserved niche market yeah. for sure. Yeah. Oh, but then when you're talking about Dom stuff, I was thinking it'd be really interesting to like flip the script on it. Like we talked about this before. Like I'm an exhibitionist. Like I wouldn't mind yeah. showing off. Um, I have enjoyed that in the past for free. Right. Being paid to do it, you know, even better. Um, so I, I love showing off, but it'd be interesting to like flip the script and have somebody like pay to have you watch them and like boss them around. Yes, like, that's where that. it's like, at. Like they're on cam. I not, but I'm typing or like we'll do audio. Like I'm yelling out things for them to do to their dirty sub selves. Didn't you walk in here with a, a lock around your neck? Yes. Yes, I did. Was that innately sexual? Um, it's like a pup thing. Yeah. But isn't it normally like, a sub thing? Um, I don't know. Is it? I thought it was. Sure. Maybe, maybe I'm, cause like, I thought my, my understanding was that someone holds that key. I think it might be different in different circles, communities. Okay. But the, the like Dom sub thing usually maps onto handler and pup, but not necessarily. Mm. Yeah. You just keep dropping that today. Partly for me, it's just like fashion. Like I'm not, not a pup. But it's also just like showing you're attached. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sorry. I was just thinking about your idea and your concept around being the Dom and telling someone else what to do. I love that, actually. I think that, who knows, maybe we could expand our business into that. (laughs) (laughs) And with like web enabled sex toys. Oh, yeah. Giving your the person you're supporting on Patreon, like the control over those. I Mm -hmm. think that'd be really hot. Oh, hell yeah. Giving me control of those. Oh, 100%. That's really what I mean. Well, and there's, that's what a, a dominatrix or someone like that does anyway, like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like I remember watching, what was the the series on Netflix that was a BDSM? Uh, bonding. Bonding, that's right. Um, season two, they remedied a lot of the mistakes that season one did, as in they probably actually got like good consultants from the community. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a character in there that's, um, that's owns a, I think she considers herself a dominatrix. And then she also runs Mm -hmm. a dungeon and there's a relationship in there between a guy who's like a corporate suit, you know, that like Mm -hmm. owns like a whole bunch of shit. And like, um, that's where the idea where I was thinking about your necklace came from because he has like a chain around his neck with a little lock and it basically belongs to her. And that's his kink. Oh, got it. And so like she has like the controls around his finances and all and other things as well. So like he gets off on her like spending money, spending his money. Mm. I need to get one of those relationships, you know what I'm saying? I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> now that's some sex work I can get into. But it it seems like a similar vein mm-hmm. of Dom work. Yeah, absolutely. How do you define, let's go back for a second. Like, how would you define sex work? Because we were talking earlier about like, there's this very like thin, like, or not even a line, like between work and sex work. And I think that's good. Like we're querying that, mm-hmm. that line, but like, how would you define it? Yeah, that's a good point. We've talked in previous episodes about the line between sexual and non-sexual being so blurry as basically not to exist mm-hmm. and i would think that we would have to do the same thing with sex work because i'd be inclined to say like okay it's uh like performing services of a sexual nature in exchange for money or other goods and services like it's a marketplace thing. It has an economic dimension and a sexual dimension, but like what counts as providing 
services of a sexual nature is itself uh, blurry. Absolutely. Gray area, not black and white. Yeah. I just keep thinking about different things that to me are blurry. Like the people who make money by snuggling other people Mm -hmm. and providing intimacy without a sexual end. I don't know that that's not sex work though, because Mm -hmm. there's, I feel like a good amount of sex work is providing intimacy for people who are lonely, who need intimacy, Mm -hmm. you know? What other kinds of uh, people were they thinking about? Sex therapists. Does that consider, like literally mm-hmm. sex is in the title, but do right. we consider that sex work? No, that's not illegal. Sex therapy is not illegal in in uh, in certain states that sex work is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, cards on the table, like I no longer consider sex work to be unethical, but back when I did, it was very confusing to me to th- think about uh psychotherapy Mm. and how like this emotional intimacy it's okay and even good that that's for sale but this kind of physical intimacy it's for some reason not good that that's for sale like that didn't make any sense to me at the time and it still doesn't make any sense to me and as i was thinking about this episode i was thinking about like what about pastoring like the sort of emotional and spiritual intimacy that usually we hope is being paid for Mm -hmm. like why is that okay and even good but physical sexual intimacy what would be wrong and that other would be good especially for those of us who think that like the spiritual part of you is one of the most important parts of you yeah so to like pay for that kind of intimacy i mean i've heard from many different either friends that are sex workers or or sex workers that i follow on social media or i've seen in documentaries like often it comes back to the idea that that what they're doing is not always um so distinctly like physical mm-hmm. therapy in a, in a sense of, of um, physically sexually ther- sexual therapy. It's sometimes it's, you know, cuddling someone. Sometimes it's listening to them talk about like their marriage and helping them mm-hmm. process that. Um, like oftentimes they, they are doing the work that therapists um, would be paid to do, but, but either men, most often men don't feel comfortable enough to go to or talk Mm -hmm. about right especially the kind of sex work that's like um heavy on the fantasy like a Mm -hmm. lot of what you're paying for is a mental experience that's being curated for you like the physical is often a part of it but sometimes it's not part of it right and it's only the like mental and emotional experience that you're paying for yeah so so back to your initial answer to my question which is it's hard to answer that question it's hard to say this Mm -hmm. is distinctly what sex work is and i I have to uh, agree with what you said that like my ideas around sex work have changed probably one of the most drastic changes for me in my deconstruction or reconstruction Mm -hmm. is my ideas around sex work Mm -hmm. I, i remember like I have, have definitely not forgotten the thoughts that I had around people who, who sold their bodies in that way. Like that was the way that I thought. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, I wish that that isn't what I used to think, but it's kind of cool to think that I've come so far too, like mm-hmm. from that thought. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like in a lot of conservative Christian spaces, sex work is like one of the worst things you can do. Mm-hmm. When now I think that being conservative Christian is one of the worst things you can do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so true, so true. Yeah, I, I feel like it's interesting to think on the fact that that's one of the worst things you could be or do. When literally, from what you've told me in some of your studying of of Jesus and the Gospels, 
that a lot of Jesus's work was funded by um, by women and some of which were sex workers. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to think that that was so much like you just showed me scriptures like you didn't just tell me this. You like showed me scripture. And I mm -hmm. was like, how did I never see this? And how was this never shown to me? And how did they miss this? Entirely. And including the fact that one of the main like individuals in Jesus's life was, um, was someone who was considered a sex worker. Right. Yeah. Mary Magdalene often considered to be a sex worker. The gospels don't connect the dots for us in that way, but there, there's some stuff suggestive of that, but for sure there were sex workers in his orbit who funded his ministry. And Jesus wasn't like, wait, where'd you get this money? <laughs> like Jesus accepted it and was embraced their support of his ministry. I think a lot of church leaders would like, they'd like return a tithe if oh, they knew that a, a sex worker had given it. And I think that's gross. Yeah. No, they'd keep the tithe and kick you out. That's what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I think they would return it because they would think of the like money itself as tainted. Yeah, that's true. It's like ridiculous. Like you can, wherever the money comes from, like you can still feed the poor with it. Yeah. So. Well, they're not doing that. So. I mean, you'll take money from capitalists. <laughs> Far worse. <laughs> Far worse. For me, I think a lot of the like the evolution of my kind of ethical stance towards sex work makes sense. It has a lot to do with my evolving stances on sexual activity itself. Yeah. Because if sex shouldn't be outside like two married <laughs> cishet people, uh, well, if it is supposed to be like that, then like, sure, sex work is like, obviously unethical because you're like doing marriage. something unethical and you're charging for it. Yeah. But if it's not the case, like I no longer believe it's the case that that's the only form of sexual expression that is holy and good. Then it opens up the door, which like you said, is the sort of threat that they were trying to like protect themselves from or protect themselves against but like if as i now believe that casual sexual encounters can be good and holy when people treat each other with love and respect why should it be the case that it becomes automatically unethical when it becomes a matter of the economy yeah because like in the bible paul says like if you're doing ministry a worker is worthy of their wages like people who uh, in his case like do the work of pastors and missionaries he said they deserve to be paid for it he was like working his side gig to support himself and he's like bitch like i shouldn't have to work making tents and being a pastor for free like <laughs> y'all should give a bitch some coin once in a while and if that is good to support people financially who are doing good work, if there are forms of casual sexual encounters that are good and holy and loving, what's the problem with somebody making a living based on that? Yeah. I don't see one. Well, yeah. And I think it comes down to respect, right? Versus... Mm -hmm control and manipulation like right. there can be abuse in any sort of relationship mm -hmm. sexual or non-sexual like there's going to be abuse with your with your boss at work um there can be like so many forms of you're not being paid you're being manipulated into doing something you don't want to do like you're giving yourself away so there is obviously a toxic side of of sex work 
um, mm-hmm. because there's a toxic side of everything that involves work. Right. Um, and, and I think the root of that is respect. Like when we, um, are respectful to each other in any exchange, um, then, then there's a far greater chance of it being like successful and a part of our own flourishing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I was just thinking about the show on Netflix. Today's a media day, apparently, um, <laughs> called Special, where mm-hmm. in the first season, the main character, who has cerebral palsy, um, he is queer, which is also awesome. And he has an encounter with a sex worker because he is still a virgin and um, has a lot of anxiety and, and mm-hmm. um, trauma around that. And it's a really cool scene. Like I absolutely love the way that this this guy handles him and like knows immediately like what his condition is because he's had enough experience mm-hmm. with other people. Um, and it kind of helps like break open this box that he's built around his own like body and image and sexuality and like it it mm-hmm. it kind of releases that and it's like. He had his box broken open already. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but it, it's beautiful. It's it's mm-hmm. this beautiful exchange of respect and um appreciation and 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 brother like in a really weird way to say this, but brotherly love, like the way that we love other people who we might not know. Mm-hmm. Like loving each other well. Um, there was love there mm-hmm. in that exchange, even if he did get paid, and I have no idea how much he got paid. But I hope it was, I hope he got paid well Um, because he probably never had to go back to him again. Even if he did, that's totally fine. Yeah. But a worker is worthy of their wages. Yeah. hundred percent. I don't know. I just thought that was a beautiful display of Mm -hmm. what sex work can often look like. And I think it can work, look like that when we have an economy and, um, and society that supports it. And I think, you know, if we want to dig into to you know church history a little bit like because of how the church has used sex to to shame people into submission um it has become a place where a lot of hurt and trauma um and lives cost mm-hmm. has happened within the church yeah. <laughs> like even i often think like if we could just support this and treat it like any other economy, um, then we wouldn't have nearly that many issues. Yeah, I I really like that idea. There's a sort of therapeutic technique. It's either it either is exposure to therapy or it's related to exposure to therapy. If you're like if you have a, a sort of stimulus that's a trigger for you, one way to get over that is to curate an experience or have an experience of that trigger curated for you that's positive. Mm. Like if you have intense arachnophobia, curating uh, an experience with a spider or spiders that is like geared toward making a positive experience Mm. like that can extinguish the fear and like other responses that you don't have towards this stimulus. And for those of us with difficult sexual history is like finding a, a good sex worker who treats their clients with respect feel like it have the same benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think one of the, one of the things that I'm not saying, and I think it's because it just feels so sinister is like talking about uh trigger warning, the sexual assault, abuse and um, rape, honestly, of individuals within the church. Like mm-hmm. there is so much, and I think a lot of this nature of um, of sin, let's like if we're going to call anything sin, that's sin. Yeah. Um, I think is caused because we are told that like our bodies are 
disgusting and our sexual desires are disgusting and we got to keep them, keep a lid on it. And so mm-hmm. it becomes this like, uh, this, this like a bomb that's ready to explode within individuals. And then mm-hmm. these horrible things happen within the church because of like allowing ourselves there's hierarchies and vulner and letting ourselves be um, like when I say letting ourselves, I say like creating structures in uh, within the church that uh, create such a hierarchy of trust that um, that people get hurt, children mm-hmm. get hurt, women mm-hmm. get hurt. Um, and it just, I hear too many stories of this and you just think like, well, why isn't this happening a fuck ton outside of church as much as it's happening in church? But over and over again, it's happening in churches, mm-hmm. especially over the last hundred years and in evangelical spaces that are supporting this idea around um, sex and this one, this only one way that sex is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think part of that too is the like churches build themselves as safe spaces and they should be safe spaces. They should. And so it, it like rightly scandalizes and angers us when those places that are supposed to be safe are used as places to prey upon and abuse the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I'm often thinking about the fact that like, gosh, if we could just heal our ideas around sex and, and say, fuck purity culture, Mm -hmm. how many more lives will be saved? Um, truly, (laughs) right. Um, from, from that kind of like hurt, harm and trauma. Um, and I think part of that is healing our relationship as a society with sex work. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We're both true crime aficionados. Oh, total. And something that comes up often is the crimes, even the same sort of crime, like they're not investigated equally across the board. Mm -mm. Like if a queer person, like especially a trans woman and or a sex worker, if they're murdered uh, a lot of times the police say like oh well they were in a high-risk profession or they had a high-risk lifestyle like basically telling them that they had it coming they're sending the message that if you're a sex worker if you're a queer person and you turn up dead well it's your fault right and and it was uh, it's a feeding ground for serial killers who mm-hmm. want to who want to cause harm they go okay well this is the type of person I can cause harm to and be least likely to get caught. Mm -hmm. And it's a little scary um, to think about as, as a queer person who isn't, um, who doesn't appear fully cis, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, it's a scary thing. Um, but it's even scarier for our trans binary, um, fam, um, -hmm. who have limited options when it comes to work. Um, until, um, I mean, it's still true, <laughs> but like, especially it was true within the past decade and way before that, like it was mm-hmm. limited options as in they had one option, which was sex work. Right. Like at the same time that we defend sex work for, for those who want to do it, like also don't want to be in a society to be in a world where people who don't want to do sex work are forced are forced to by their circumstances Mm -hmm. like i don't think there's anything innately wrong with it but there is something innately wrong with being robbed of your self-determination we were talking about that a lot in the last episode like you can be robbed by your sort of right to freedom to choose for yourself by wanting to be a sex worker in a society that criminalizes and or shames it and you can be robbed of your freedom by not wanting to be a sex worker but being compelled into it Mm -hmm. one way or another 
yeah, it's a a complex um and troubled like hard thing to like kind of process like to think about like how even in the 80s you know it was if you thought of a trans person you almost always thought of a sex worker Mm. like they were not very separate from each other and that is because of what you said that's because of society not providing space Mm -hmm. for people to um, flourish and have choices instead they had one choice um and um but yet there are people who are popular and have done really great things within queer world and queer space like RuPaul like mm-hmm. RuPaul endured along with a, a a lot of other you know artists and um beautiful beautiful humans who are trans um in our community who've um who fought hard but along along the way I'm sure they lost so many friends yeah because of their limited options. I don't think RuPaul considers herself to be trans, but definitely drag really? is part of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I I've always like considered RuPaul like a part of the trans family. Like I, I never thought of her any other way. Yeah, drag is definitely on the like gender non-conforming side yeah. of things, but most Drag queens, in my experience, consider themselves to be cis. I feel like that's a whole other episode. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> like, let's do another gender episode and talk yeah, about just that. How have not had an episode of drag? <laughs> right? Hello? You I do be drag. asking myself this. Yeah. <laughs> I choose a lot of our episode topics. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What's going on? Um to self and i feel like obviously again that's like people's prerogative someone else who might have the exact same experience as rupaul might consider themselves in the in the trans family you know um yeah i mean for me drag and my transness are like they're definitely intertwined yeah and i feel like a lot of people have experienced that like drag might have been the only place that they felt like they could express their their gender Mm -hmm. expression yeah. You know? Yeah. That's so, that's so interesting. Anyway, I, I just, I'm starting to like reflect cause I feel like it's been a long time since I've really reflected on the idea of like how I evolved in my thinking around sex work. Mm-hmm. Like I'm wondering and thinking to myself, like what was like the trigger thing for me that like really made me go like, Oh, that's bullshit. Do you mm-hmm. think that you can like, zone like zoom in on a specific moment for you that felt like well for me like my processes of belief formation or reformation are like usually like on the sort of intellectual side of things and so for me it was connecting the dots between like my own coming to believe that like casual sex can be right. good uh, to like, oh, casual sex plus exchange of goods or services. Wait, that doesn't make it evil. Oh, okay. It did take like some time for the penny to drop for me, like connecting the dots in those ways. And I think that piece, like the the resistance to beliefs being reformed, probably had a large emotional component to it like we're it was just emphasized so much in my circles that like prostitution was such sex work was such a bad thing yeah that it was it was hard to undo those knots i think part of it too is like uh like dealing with the shame of becoming more progressive because (laughs) another thing that my conservative Christian circles told me was that one of the worst things you can be besides a sex worker is a progressive Christian. (laughs) And so like (laughs) there is a pressure to hold on to beliefs and practices that it'd be better if we let go of them, but there's a pressure to hold on to them to 
show ourselves and our others that we're like, we're not as bad as like we could be, or we're not as bad as those others that we talked about in our wrong kind of gay episode. Yeah. Like, do I really want to become the sort of progressive Christian who publicly defends the ethics of sex work for a long time? My answer without even like raising the question was no, I don't want to be that kind of person. But, <laughs> like I, I do. I, I want to be that kind of person. Right. Because sex, work, sex workers deserve our respect and they deserve also for us to try to get other people to respect them. Those of us who um, believe that sex work can be a good and loving, holy thing. Mm. Like if sex work were more widely accepted in society... Sex workers could be like subject to the sorts of government protections that other kinds of workers are. And they'd be safer. Uh, people who like clients of sex workers would be safer. I feel like across the board it would be better. Yeah, I was I was just thinking, kind of reflecting on what you were saying about coming out of Christianity and be like kind of like recovering certain things. I know, uh, one of the things for me was not necessarily sex work. It was like ideals around abortion, which Mm -hmm. is a huge like feminist issue and kind of becoming feminist and like Mm -hmm. realizing like what it means, um, and, and really digging into it and like learning my shit as opposed to like, like keeping this really, uh, limited, uh, lack of education perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and just educating myself helped me to really, really grow in my ideas around like women's rights and their own bodies. Um, and, and so I think that it started there. I think mm-hmm. it started in thinking about abortion. Cause that was like the biggest reason why I was Republican and not Democrat for a long time. And mm-hmm. it was this thing that I had a hard time like dealing with within myself for years. And mm-hmm. then I started dating a NICU nurse um, who at the time was like, I mean, like knew everything and anything about like she did women's health and like, it just helped me to really learn about um, why certain laws should continue to exist and why certain laws are bullshit mm-hmm. and what it, what it prevents people from being able to do that is what started kind of my journey towards thinking about um, women having like the right to say what they want to do with their own bodies because often sex work is women um, mm-hmm. at work. I'm not going to say all sex work because obviously that's not true, but often I was also thinking about the fact that I love the show law and order SVU. Like mm-hmm. it's like one of my, it's gotta be like, my number one, number two, number three, like show ever that I enjoy. And I've, I've loved it for a long time. And I feel like their progressions of how they displayed sex workers, um, and like really showed the struggles that they would go through. And also specifically trans women. Like, I feel like there was, there's a lot of demonstrations of, of, of that. And like some of it, not great in the early days, (laughs) definitely better in the later days when they actually had like awesome trans actors, like, like taking, like giving their input as well on the behind the scenes and Mm -hmm. like being a part of it. Um, but yeah, that really helped me to kind of like grow in my perspective of like how hard, um, it is to do that work and how necessary it is and, and how much they deserve to be, cared for and protected so yeah that that definitely had like a lot to do with my progression i was thinking also about the connection to uh, the abortion issue because it seems to me that people differing perspectives on both abortion and sex work like we can have a lot of common ground on ways to like improve the material conditions of the populations we're talking about. Yeah. Like if 
if people don't want people to be doing sex work, don't want people to be having abortions, like things they can do to help people who don't want to have abortions, don't want to do sex work, like like work to raise minimum wage, work to fund Planned have, Parenthood. Yeah. <laughs> fund Planned Parenthood, like get rid of abstinence only yep. education, like make contraception more widely, widely available. Yeah. Better parental leave. Yes. For people. I don't know. There are a lot of things. So many. Streamline adoption processes. Right. Oh my God, right? And foster care processes. There's so many things that we can all agree on, even if we can't yet come to ethical consensus. Yeah. But they're so closely tied to like loyalties to political parties and mm-hmm. religious perspectives. Right. Like I've had friends who feel afraid to share their ideas around hot topic issues in their churches because the majority of their church or church leadership disagrees mm-hmm. and will it get them ostracized from this community that they're a part of. And it's easier just not to speak up. It's easier to, to just keep your mouth shut or not like, or go along with what they believe than mm-hmm. stand up. Like I had a, I have a friend who's a listener of our, our podcast, who is the, um, who was a leader for me when I was in youth group, her and her husband were, um, were leaders of the youth group. And she, when Trump started to like, to, you know, rally to become president, like she was like very like against it mm-hmm. and she got completely ostracized by her community. Wow. And then to top it all off during that time while she was kind of doing deconstruction and kind of figuring out maybe even politically just figuring out how she's, she differs from what she thought she was supposed to believe. She went and had lunch with me and we posted a picture on Facebook um, of, of us hanging out after we haven't seen each other in years and years. And it caused a huge like response from people that was like, Oh, what do you like? I'm sorry. Like, wait a second. Like, what are you doing with Jess? Like, do you think it's okay to be gay now? Or like, are you guys on a date? Like what the heck was going on? Oh like my God. just bullshit. Like people just really like questioning her even just being associated with me. Um, thinking, Oh, well she's gone downhill. Wow. Um, which is sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just lost, like they had, they left this community that they had been a part of for two decades, basically. Um, because she was pushed out and ostracized just because she didn't, because she took her kid to a, to a women's march and bought her a pussy hat, you know? It's interesting to think about, like, I wish that we could come together on these similar ideas, like, mm-hmm. and have some, like, real good conversation about it and really move this the needle forward instead of um a constant battle of 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 severities like mm-hmm. who has to be right who has to be wrong yeah but so many of those things that we talked about like a lot of conservative christians would not want because they've listened to the republican party tell them that like Poverty is evil and like deserves to be criminalized and punished. So like they don't want things like higher minimum wage, universal basic income, like better parental leave. Because the evangelicalism to a certain extent, like the Catholic Church as well, like it is so in bed with the Republican Party in America that People feel like to be Christian, I have to believe these things. So, like, 
Those things are deeply anti-Christian. Makes it harder to have common ground when you're like a progressive Christian who actually wants to take care of poor people. Mm-hmm. You have conservative evangelicals who want the poor not, who sometimes want the poor not to be taken care of. Yeah. Like how I wish we could like have common ground about the things of the gospel. So many people who talk about themselves as Christians are in opposition to the things of the gospel. I'm sitting here thinking it's interesting how sometimes our conversations lead in a direction that's like, how do we fix this? <laughs> right. And then we come to the conclusion that we can't, like we can't fix this. We can dream about what a better world would look like. Um, but we're not going to fix it in this conversation. Um, but what I would hope that we do is that we get people to start thinking, thinking about the way that um, their decisions affect others, the way that we vote when we don't vote, how it can affect someone, um, and the importance of giving people autonomy and um yeah like like these like equal rights is is best for all like it gets people really thinking about these things um i hope that's what we're doing i hope that we're getting people to question and maybe question their own ideas that they're stuck in yeah i hope that we can do that too because there are still a lot of people that can't stand the idea that we as Christians and pastors, you and I both, um, and in ministry, um, so comfortably talk about sex and kink Mm -hmm. culture and polyamory in a positive way. Like, let alone sex work. Like people, like it makes people think like, Oh, that's too far. And I just want people to go, why? Why do you think that's too far? Reevaluate. Yeah. At the end of the last episode, we talked about uh, Christians on Twitter. And uh, I'm an Episcopalian. And sometimes we talk about what? Weird Anglican Twitter. (laughs) And a lot of us are like progressive and or queer. A lot of us can't can sex positive a lot of people on weird and can twitter um not so much that way um more purity culture and their kind of approach to the faith and life and a lot of them like hey and mock how like open some of the rest of us are in talking and joking about sex and they'll like kind of wag their fingers electronically like you shouldn't be so crude on the internet first so like have you seen the internet right and second (laughs) uh talking about c.s lewis again uh has this i think it's from the chronicles of narnia um or the four loves it might he might actually have been talking about sex he says something like it's a bad thing not to be able to take a joke and it's a worse thing not to be able to take a divine joke like I think of sex as in other, among other things, a joke that God played on us for our benefit. (laughs) And like, sex is ridiculous. Like, if you think about it, like these weird sort of body parts that we put together in different configurations, like it's all very absurd. And I think that it shows. uh, You're speaking so much to our our asexual peeps right now. (laughs) They're like, yeah. So weird. I mean, Why do you do it? I like it. And it's so weird. And I think it shows a, a smallness of spirit not to be able to see and appreciate the absurdity of sexual activity, of sexual desire. Like, like we act like animals, both when we want sex and when we're doing it. Doggy style is a phrase for a reason. <laughs> sure is. And like one that, of my babes. <laughs> like the oldest joke is that we're part animal and part angel. 
And I feel that most acutely sometimes in the realm of sex. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like the healthiest way to respond to that, like, tug between the animal and the spiritual is to laugh. Mm-hmm. Try to get other people to laugh about it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the beautiful things about our podcast. Like, we talk about these deeply, deeply spiritual topics and deeply theological topics and deeply traumatic topics. And then we also laugh mm-hmm. at at the 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 sex topics and and we also talk deeply sexually about those topics and spiritually about those sexual topics like we just go everywhere we're like mm-hmm. no no there is no boundary to this you know right um the boundary is to cause no harm right like we're not trying to hurt people we're trying to help mm-hmm. people um and yeah it's just i don't know it's just that's one of the beautiful things i love about our podcast Mm-hmm. I feel like in some ways it's another expression of the queer rejection of false dichotomies. Mm-hmm. Like, is it respect and like taking things seriously or is it having fun and laughing at them? And we're like, yes, <laughs> both of those. <laughs> like, I respect sex too much not to make fun of it. Yes. Like, Things can be in tension. Like yeah. the paradox is healthier than either an over seriousness or like an over flippancy. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so well put. I love that. Oh, I was thinking about something else we could do to concretely help sex workers. What do you think about giving a portion of our Patreon to uh, like a relief fund for sex workers this month? I mean, I'm down. It might only be $5, but I'm down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we could come up with a shirt design or some sort of merch design to like going forward, like all the profits from that go to one of these relief funds. Mm. Let's workshop this. I like this idea. Listeners, hold us to this. (laughs) Hold us accountable. Please. We won't forget because we don't want to do it, but we might forget because both of us have ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We really want to do this, guys. Help us. (laughs) And speaking of that, like, you can absolutely keep us accountable on, you can keep me specifically accountable on Instagram at Lav Mafia, L-A-V-M-A-F-I-A. And all you bad bitches come find me on Twitter. <laughs> L-A-V-M-A-F-I-A. that bitch accountable. <laughs> Read me for filth. <laughs> also, you can totally keep us accountable on our Facebook group, which is um, the Lavender Mafia podcast community. Um, I absolutely love it. It's where we actually get a lot of interaction with our with our fans, if we want to mm-hmm. say that, or our community. Um, it's weird to think of you guys as fans. I just think of y'all as family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you can definitely keep us accountable there. That's also where we'll probably be presenting. Like we've already done votes on t-shirt design and um, t-shirt style. There are going to be other things that that people who are part of that community get to see and be a part of decision making. Um, so that's definitely a good place to, to really get involved. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the people who we get to interact with and, and ask opinions of the most are, are like our Patreon contributors. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also, I'm sure if, if any of you guys stick around to the end of the episodes, which I really hope you do, you know, about <laughs> the fact that we're on Patreon. Um, it's also patreon.com slash mafia. Um, L-A-V-M-A-F-I-A. Um, I spell it every time just cause I'm so worried, you know, at least we're not making them spell out lavender. Yeah. I've heard that, uh, people find lavender <laughs> a particularly difficult word to spell. <laughs> so, lav is good to stick with. Yeah. That's a little easier, a little easier. But yeah, we had a really good after dark episode that was entirely the brainchild of one of our patreon supporters 100 that we had a call with yeah and i just really i really enjoy that relationship because it, it feels i mean like everyone can understand this like if someone feels like you're worth investing in um there's just something beautiful about that just like mm-hmm. we got a 
uh, we're, we actually have a mini that's going to be coming out with this letter, but we got a letter from someone who, even though they couldn't give right then, they said they still wanted me to know like what an impact that we had on them and mm. what a part of their life it was. And, and that, that was huge for me too. Like mm. I was like the fact that you desire to be able to give me money and that we like want to support us in that way and will eventually like was just like, just as good. Like I was like, that mm. feels amazing. Yeah. Well, guys, I really want to know what everyone's perspective was on this. Was, this is a hard topic to talk about, sex mm-hmm. work. And I would really like to hear what people's um, thoughts are now on sex work or what they used to be. Or also maybe just a playful, like, what would you do if you were a sex worker? Because there's all kinds of things you can do. Yeah. What would you do in your sort of bespoke premium streaming service? Yeah. I might subscribe. You know what I'm saying? all right glorious beautiful humans be fierce keep the faith and don't fuck it up our amazing music is written and produced by evan coles of springwood productions speaking of springwood i just want to thank them for recording mixing and producing our audio without them this podcast wouldn't be happening springwood is made up of passionate creatives who are really easy to work with and professional and they really know their stuff So if you need anything like video or audio production, or they can really do anything to help your music or business. Like they got me Taco Bell one time, for God's sake. So go check them out at springwoodproductions.com. 